0: Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you this morning, and uh, delighted that you've joined us on this frosty and cold day. You know, I was reminded from Facebook posts that this time last year, my garden was all green still, and I was raking leaves. Not only was it green and was I raking leaves, but I was also stacking wood. Uh, but but not at the moment, that's for sure. It's a little bit chilly out there, isn't it? Um, but if you want to take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 1, I'm going to... Um preached from a part of scripture that is part of the Christmas message and yet is rarely ever spoken about in the, Christ, uh, kind of the Christmas messages. It is the birth of John the Baptist foretold in that moment where Zachariah is in the temple and the angel of the Lord appears to him. And I want you uh, to look at this story because, as we are preparing and as we are stepping in to this season, and I am praying that hundreds of people will give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ through Living Water, uh, through uh, Living Nativity, and also Living Waters. Why not? Uh, through anything. All these ministries. I'm praying for that, and I'm asking that the Lord would work, that the Lord would would minister. And, and would do that. And also, of course, with, with the shift of coming out of COVID, and people have lost rhythm of connecting to church. They've lost rhythm, and we can see patterns of attendance changing, and, and it, it's, it feels really comfortable to stay home. Uh, two years of that trained us well um, to be able to, to do that. Uh, but I'm, I'm praying that as What The 7,000 people currently who are booked to to come through, uh, I'm praying that their hearts will be turned again to a fresh love and a fresh devotion to Christ, amen? And so I would pray for that. So I want to preach to you this morning from verse 5 through to verse 25 in the Luke's gospel that tells the story of this remarkable moment that took place. Just a quick overview of the story, of course. We know uh, that Zechariah is there in the temple. And as he is in the temple, the angel of the Lord appears to him. And speaks to him about that his wife, who is of an old age, will become pregnant. And he doesn't quite get this. And he doesn't quite believe it, right? And so at that moment, the Lord through the angel makes him dumb and everybody's wondering what is going on with this man. He comes out having <clears throat> presented in the temple and here he is and he can't speak. He's actually signs and tries to explain what is taking place. But, but really can they all assume he must have had a vision and God must have spoke to him. And so having come out and received the word... He goes back to his wife and his his wife receives this news with great joy because she is old. She's not expecting ever to be pregnant. And then then a few months later, she is pregnant and, and of course with John the Baptist. A little bit overview, if you don't know the story... Then, then that gives you a little bit, but there's a lot more nuances within this, a lot more of how it will speak to us. So let's start to tackle it and let's understand what it says. In the time of Herod, King of Judea. Now notice that straight away in the time. In the time has is actually a phrase that is used in the Old Testament. In this time, this happened. In this moment. In this time is an Old Testament phrase used in the Greek to communicate that God is about to do something remarkable in this time. Luke puts it in the context of Herod. Herod the Great, so he puts it clearly within a historical context and many people doubt the history of the Bible and where it sits but let me tell you the more you look into the history of the Bible and you look into to how it collates to what was taking place and what was happening, we know that the scriptures are true and that we can trust the scriptures clearly at this moment. Herod the Great, he's coming to the end of his reign. In about a number of years, um, he's going to die. And he was quite the tyrant. Under Mark Anthony, I don't know if you know Roman history, Mark Anthony, of course, Cleopatra, they fell in love with each other. He was a great general. He battled, of course, with the Caesars and fought. And there was civil war. And eventually they poisoned themselves. But when Mark Anthony was in kind of power, he sent Herod from Rome back to Judea to rule Judea. And the Jews hated him, although he was a Jew, although he was accepted in society, the Jews absolutely hated him, and he was a hateful character. The one thing you didn't want to do is be in his family, because he had a habit of, of killing members of his family. He killed his mother-in-law, and maybe this Christmas you might think of that, and <laughs> maybe not, Um he killed you know he killed a wife off he, he sons he close people in the most hideous way he was a puppet of the roman empire because judea it may amaze you judea produced the largest amount of financial bounty to go to the roman empire He was truly an oligarch in the right way of that word, meaning that that he was part of the inner circle, raised in Rome as a boy, came through the ranks and now returns to Judea, to Jerusalem to rule. And he did. He ruled with a, a fist of iron. But you see, he may have been point, appointed by Mark Anthony but the thing that we understand about this scripture is very clearly that God is in control over history and God is the one who is planning all things to come together. So Mark Anthony might think he's making these decisions but ultimately the most important event is not Mark Anthony, is not the Roman Empire but it's the birth of the saviour of the world. And everything is leading to the birth of the Saviour to come. And so we have, we, we have this historical context that is rigorous and strong. But then in Judea there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abaniah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees and blameless. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. They are faithful and yet they are disappointed. And how many of us have ever lived there? That we've lived in a position where we have been faithful to the Lord, but there are areas of our life, if we are truly honest, we are just disappointed about the way that some things have worked out. We are disappointed through what has taken place. And yet it is fascinating that they were faithful to the Lord to the point of where it is spoken about in scripture and yet they are carrying regrets. They are carrying these feelings. They are carrying, why is it like this? Why did I, as it says at the end of the verse, verse 25 of this passage, it says, my disgrace has gone. Elizabeth is living with disgrace. She's living with pain. She's so desperately wanted to provide a child and to have a child for their family and years after years this child never came they never took place and she was barren and yet she was faithful and yet she believed in God and yet they were faithful in their walk they had a a religious um, wonderful genealogy right the way back to the ancient priests and yet in the middle of this they were carrying despair disappointment. And often we don't like to talk about the disappointment that we feel within our faith. Why were these prayers not answered? Disappointment comes in lots of different ways, doesn't it? Disappointment comes through perhaps a broken relationship that you never expected that would break. Disappointment comes because perhaps a child that you love dearly has chosen to go a different course and not serving God. And you, you, you said, but I dedicated, I prayed, I'm keeping believing, but this child has struggled. Maybe disappointment has come because you never expected the the sickness that you're going through or, or a friend or a loved one has travelled through. Maybe the disappointment has come because of grief and because of loss and yet you're faithful to God and yet there is a disappointment and you're not very clear on why this has taken place. Isn't that true? That sometimes we feel like I'm just, I just don't know. I just don't understand. I'm not clear on this. I don't get why these circumstances happened in my life. I don't understand what is taking place. And it's at that point we have to trust the Lord. But it's at that point it is very easy that you and I can become incredibly bitter towards God. It's incredible that that we can start to resent, we can start to be angry, we can start to be frustrated. And yet Elizabeth isn't angry, she isn't frustrated, she's faithful to God even though she's living through the drama of disappointment within her life. But then we see in verse 8 that once when Zechariah's division was on duty... He was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by a lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all assembled worshippers were praying outside. This is a big moment. This moment comes. It's a big moment for, for Zachariah. It is amazing because... You may not know this, but that he was chosen out of what was probably at that time between 18 and 24,000 eligible priests who could, from that tribe and that group, go and a lot was taken. And the, and uh, and somehow, some way, the lotto to go to the temple and to take the lamb and to sacrifice it in the morning and the evening, to take the olive oil and to pour it out, to take the flour and the grain offering to bring it and to burn it and to pour the wine onto it. He was chosen out of 18,000 eligible people to be at that moment, at that point in time for this event to take place. And I want to just remind you that you may be disappointed with God and we don't understand why. But this is a key moment in time. And what God wants to remind us is that that his timing is perfect, that he's the one in control, that he is the one with the plan. That he is the one that can make a difference. That he is the one, and this is where we have to truly trust that we are t- chosen, and that we're not here by chance. And God is looking at you, and He loves you, and He cares for you. And we have to remind ourselves: I feel so blessed. I feel like I've I've won the the evangelical lottery, if you like, uh, because one day I was lost, but Jesus found me. One day I was chosen and I felt the call. I saw the truth and suddenly God came into my life and I was born again. And, and you and I, even when we feel disappointed, disillusioned, Even then, there's a danger of being bitter. Even then, when there's a danger of being angry. Even when we can have so many laments within our lives, it is important that we must remind ourselves that the gift of salvation that we've had, that you are chosen by the Lord to have a relationship with God. 18,000 people, Zechariah, you're the one in the temple. Do it now, a once in a lifetime moment and you are there for a reason because God is at work and God is in control. He was in for a surprise. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at his right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have, have been heard. Which prayers? Because I think they stopped praying for a baby a long time ago. I mean, you would, wouldn't you? He's now old. He's now you know, old. And, and Elizabeth is old. And for many of us, the last thing on your mind is a baby. Am I, am I right? Yeah? Yeah, and my wife, where's my wife? I don't know. She's here. But probably on the desk. But the last thing, last thing on my mind now Hallelujah. <laughs> but he goes, goes, come on. The angel Gabriel appeared. Just like Gideon hiding away in, the, in his little cistern. And there he is. And, and the angel appears and said, mighty warrior. wall! I'm, I'm not a mighty warrior. What about Daniel when he's praying? And the angel Lord appears to him. And Daniel 8 comes to him. And here... Zachariah, he is he's there doing his duty, doing the, the right thing, burning the lamb, pouring the oil, taking the flour, sending the incense up, purifying the sins inviting God's presence into the nation and he turns around and there's an angel right there next to him and he's gripped with terror he's gripped with fear he says do not be afraid your prayers have been heard which prayers you're going to have a baby I haven't prayed that prayer for 30 years are you kidding me really do you know what this tells me that your prayers are never wasted. Prayer is never wasted. The prayers you prayed 30 years ago are still active and alive in the kingdom of God and never doubt that when we pray something it is said on earth but it is heard in heaven and our God is eternal and he hears our prayers. That's why we need to be a praying church. That's why we need to believe in prayer. That's why we must never give up praying because the prayers that I pray I might forget and think are irrelevant but God never forgets the prayers that we pray so what are you praying for you're praying for that prodigal to come back to Christ then keep believing for that prodigal and what are you praying for you're praying for a restoration in a broken family keep praying for it because God does not forget your prayers keep praying keep pushing keep believing don't stop because we're praying about eternity and we're dealing with a god who is in control. You might think the Herods of this world are in control, but there is only one sovereign Lord who is in control. So he says, I'm afraid. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Really? Yeah. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be greater in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drinks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord and in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the heart. Of the parents to their children and the disobedient, and the wisdom of righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John's coming, and John is going to prepare a way for the coming of this child. John is coming, he's gonna come and make a way. He's going to be a person of devotion. And what he's going to do before Jesus' ministry begins, he is going to prepare a way. He's going to model a devotion. He's going to preach to the nation. He is going to speak about restoration and repentance. And he's going to prepare the way so that the heart of the nation will turn in the right direction for the coming of the preaching of the Messiah. God's going to prepare it. God's going to move it around. And this is all part of the preparation. It's all part of God's plan. It's all part of it. And we know that he's going to be one who is going to point a sign towards Jesus. He's going to be one who is going to say, This is the one. This is the one to follow. He's going to be that one who is going to be humble. And when he meets the Messiah, he's going to say, I'm not worthy. He's going to be the one who's going to be filled in the power of the Spirit. He's the one that clearly knows his calling. I know what I'm about. I am here to serve the one that is coming that is greater. I am coming so that I prepare a way for him. That's what I'm going to be a catalyst to turn people's hearts towards the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He had a, a, a profound mission. And I would remind us that the church cannot forget its profound mission of Matthew chapter 28 to go therefore into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel. Discipling all nations and baptising them in the name of the Father, in the Son and the Holy Spirit. We've got good news. We've got great news. We've got a mission to do. And, and what the enemy is trying to do within Canada is to rob the church of strength. To rob the church of its passion. To rob the church of its mission. But we need to remind ourselves we all have a mission to play in God's kingdom. And we're all called to have a a role He was going to be a unique individual, was? Zechariah asked the angel, "How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. I love the way that that's constructed. That's very polite, isn't it? <laughs> What's your wife like, Pastor Phil? She's very good, but she's a little well along in years. Not the best. We're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary this month. So um, I better be careful. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. What are you talking about, Zechariah? I am Gabriel and you're doubting me at this moment? You're going, "Mm, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I'm a little hesitant about this message. Thanks very much. But my wife is a little along in years. And the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this is good news. This is good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe in my words, which will come true in their appointed time. There is a danger with all of our hearts as men that we can become hesitant in our old age about our faith and we can begin and step into a cruise control Christianity where we're no longer quite believing and unfathomable fire we're not trusting and we're not listening to God's voice like we should be and we become yes reverent yes present yes faithful and yet the listening presence of God and and the faith is somehow lacking and we've entered into a kind of Christian cruise control and I don't want that in my life I mean, I like cruise control. I, uh, coming from England, the first time I came, 1983, I came and I was on the prairies and I'd never experienced cruise control in my life. And I was lent a massive, I think Canadians called it boats. Because said, I said, I need a car, I need to go and preach in, I don't know, beachy, Saskatchewan or somewhere, or, or, Yorkton or something, and it was like, oh yeah, we've got a boat for you. That'll be fine. I'm like a boat. I, no, this, and they go, and it was the biggest car I'd ever seen in my life. And I got in this thing, and it rolled. It just was amazing. Honestly, it was the size of my apartment at the time, and. <laughs> And then I, I thought, what's this cruise? I'd never heard of cruise control. And I started pressing the buttons. How does this work then? And the pedal started moving. And it, oh, I thought the car was possessed. And I was like, and then I worked it. Oh, you set it, do it. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but I was, you know, from England. And, and I pressed it and I got it and it, whoa, oh Yeah. I'm going along the Saskatchewan roads. Nobody uh, 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 there except a dog or two, five miles away. And, and I'm like, oh, I could, I could. it drives itself. I put, I, could put my, I, had, I put my foot up on the dashboard. Just drove along. I went in the back, had a sleep. It was amazing. <laughs> the car was doing it for me. It was on cruise control. Don't ever let your Christian faith get onto cruise control. Don't. And I think Zachariah was trying to be faithful, and I feel for him. Of course, he's a wonderful man. But he's battling. And he's like, I'm faithful, but really? I've I've entered cruise control. And if you're at cruise control... This is not the time to be on cruise control for the kingdom of God. He says, surely not. And now you will be silent. And sometimes we just have to stand back, shut up, and let God get on with it. When we've prayed, when we've listened, when we've trusted, when we keep listening and we keep praying... We sometimes have to practice silence so we hold on to God. And that's where listening is so important. That's where journaling is so important. That's where hearing God's voice is so important. That's why asking the Lord and coming close. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah. And wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. I just, I I really wonder what these signs were. Like... What's he saying? Is he saying he feels bloated? What's he talking about? What's this? No, it's a lamb. We sacrifice lambs. It's not the dove this week. It would have been... And they worked it out. Ah. He has had an encounter with the living God. And although he is silent... When you have an encounter with the living God, you are always changed. Moses on the mountain, changed by the presence of God, the burning bush. The moments we're changed by God's power. It's a lovely moment in scripture. The crowds being in awe, something's taking place. Something is happening. And when his time of service has completed, verse 23, he returned home. I can imagine he was thinking, how am I going to explain this? And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. You see, she lived with disgrace and disappointment. But she also maintained her joy and her faithfulness. She didn't allow herself to become bitter, twisted, Angry and hurt. She said, I submit myself to the will of God all my life, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What an amazing testimony that she responded in joy. And God just didn't give her a baby, God gave her a prophet. To a nation that would be forever remembered as making the way for the coming of the Messiah. And in the next verses, of course, we get this moment where Mary receives a visit from an angel as well. And the story starts to unfold. So what what can we take from this? For you and for me. Well, a number of pointers. From this, I want us to take the point, first of all, that we must be a listening people who trust God even when we do not understand what is going on. That we keep our ears open to the voice of the Spirit, that we keep our hearts renewed and alive in God even though we're disappointed with some aspects of life, even though we're lamenting, we choose to live in a position like Elizabeth of faithfulness and holding on to God at this time. Not a victim, but Victorious. Because we know that God's got the plan and God's at work. I think the second thing I'd like to suggest to you and to me is we can learn from John the John the John the Baptist. We can understand and we can learn from him that, that he was chosen to be a signpost to show people what God is doing and the way God is working. None of us should be closed to having people in our lives who point us towards God and show us new things about God. We all need that together. We need that connection. We need that support. We we need people like the Johns in our lives that encourage us to go deeper and push further and keep believing God. Then I believe that we must always keep a position of humility. John the Baptist was humble. Arrogance and pride is a terrible thing and it will kill your spiritual life. And we need to be willing to say, yes, I'm going to maintain that humility within my life. And I want to walk in that. The next thing I notice from this is that John was full of the Holy Spirit from his conception and in the womb. We know this because when they, the babies met, the, John leapt in the womb. And in our own walk and our own lives, every one of us must seek to walk by the Spirit and live in the Spirit and have the Spirit at work within our lives. That we can't do Christianity without the presence of the Holy Spirit at work within our lives. And then we need to know our calling. John knew his calling. He knew what he was meant to do. And the truth is, every one of us who are priests of believers, who serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I, we all have a role. We all have a calling. God has a ministry for us. And let us not... Let us not walk away from that calling. And finally, John was a catalyst that would bring people closer to Jesus. Look, there's Jesus. Look, there's Jesus. And this is the challenge to us as a whole church, that we would bring people and be a catalyst to bring people to Jesus and to show them the beauty and the wonder and the amazement of Jesus, that we're a catalyst. That's why we do Living Nativity, because we just want to tell people, get them through the doors and tell them clearly that Jesus is the greatest gift to this world. We can know So we mustn't allow ourselves to become bitter, angry, disappointed. We've got to live with that. We can. And we have to resist the hesitant nature that we can so easily fall into of cruise control. And know that actually in our lives... Lord, I want to be that Christian who is open to growing closer to Jesus. I want to be that Christian who is humble. I want to be that Christian who is spirit-filled. I want to be that Christian who has grappled with my calling and I will serve the Lord where God has put me. And I want to be that Christian, and this is beautiful, who is a catalyst to bringing people to Jesus in some way in my life. And that's what this text teaches us about a spirit-filled, listening life, trusting God, dealing with our junk and saying saying what Elizabeth said. The Lord has done this for me. The Lord has done this for me. What has the Lord done for you? He's done it for you. He said, And in these days, He has shown His favor and taken away my disgrace. In these days, He has shown each one of us favor and He has taken away the disgrace of my sin. He's taken away the disgrace of what I'm feeling. And he's given me joy and life. Amen. What a lovely story. And so keep praying those prayers because they're not wasted. And you never know quite when they'll arrive in your life. (laughs) Let's stand together. Father, I thank you that I feel like I have received the greatest gift of being chosen to be a child of God. Thank you that we are called. To walk humbly to be spirit filled to rediscover our calling of what we are here to do and to be a catalyst to bring people to the love of God forgive us Lord when we've Allowed ourselves to become disillusioned, disappointed and disassociated and hesitant about the things of God. Help us, Lord, to see you in a fresh way and in a new way, I ask. In Jesus' name. as we sing this final song, why don't you absolutely rededicate your life if you have been on cruise control and make this service the day to switch cruise control off, to get firmly where you should be and to do what God is calling you to do. And there will be people available for prayer and elders at the end. But let's let's worship together and let's fill this sanctuary with praise and let's pray that people will find Jesus and we will be a catalyst as a church to point people to Jesus this Christmas, this living nativity, and we will go for it. Amen.